You're about to listen to a message of Foundation of Truth Assembly. May the word you hear bear fruit in your heart now and always. Nandara teko zuse tegete leba kapatala badaudi. Jo pato zente ndeli vitro te kari do raba teke lebo zote ni de kab tene nambe tu pare de dizufra ege do shekebra dozadea. My tongue is like that of a ready writer. I receive the mind of Christ. I decree and declare the full counsel of Jesus. Even on this subject. And I decree and declare that sons and daughters will be brought into their great and good place. That they will begin to exercise dominion. Even in the realm of mental ability, mental prowess, mental superiority. In the name of Jesus Christ, that we will operate in a realm other than the level of intelligence that this world is familiar with. That we will operate in a realm that is only found in the supernatural. That the wisdom of God, that which is superior to intelligence, will be the expression of our lives. Everywhere we go, we will shine forth as light. We will see farther than others. We will rise higher than others. And our light shall shine brighter than the darkness all around us. Glory be to the name of Jesus. For in Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Hallelujah. I especially welcome you to this morning's service. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. This month of November, we started considering those skills for exploits, the things that God's children must be equipped with for them to excel in life. You see, when you read the book of Ephesians chapter 4, and it talks about apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and evangelists, one of the things that the Bible says our job is to do is to build up the body of Christ, to edify. You know, when we read the word edify, we spiritualize the context and think that when we say equip for the work of ministry, we think that the work of ministry is holding a microphone alone and singing, interpreting in your church, playing music. It also means shining forth. In case you do not know, part of the works of ministry is the gift of administration, planning. So part of what we are doing today is part of the mandate of the fivefold ministry. Our focus today under the theme of the skills for exploit is called thinking ahead thinking ahead you see i have had a very deep struggle from a long time conversing with many fellow christians who have challenged me and said man of god this thing you talk about planning you this thing you talk about thinking are you sure this is not against the scripture we want to have a program and you are thinking strategically you are saying we need to plan we need to form a committee we need to look ahead we need to draw a task matrix we need to assign tasks we need to have meetings we need to do a dry run we need to do a mock rehearsal of how the day is going to be we need to play out the scenarios in our heads to ensure that things are done decently and in order which is actually scriptural so the Bible says we should do all things decently and in order. To do things in order means that you need to do some preparation, some planning. And to do some planning, you need to do some thinking. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to get angry today because this is a message that can easily get me angry. The goal of a message is not anger. It's for clarity. I pray that clarity will come to you today as we minister the word of God. Turn your Bibles with me. So the book of um, Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. I'm going to read the first three verses to lay a foundation of what the Lord will have us consider today. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, The preparations of the heart belongs to man. You see, when you see heart here, it's not talking about your biological heart. The ventricles, the oracles. It's not talking about... um, the heart the that is like a pump, pumping blood. He's speaking about your mind. Your mind. So when he says, the preparations of the heart belong to man. That is, it is the duty of man <laughs> to make preparations with his mind. And it goes further to say, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. It's a man, don't be too arrogant. Don't think because you can think that everything you think must happen. 
Hmm? So the Lord has a big role. He's the one who determines what eventually happens. Go to verse 2. It says, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. That is, we can get to the extent that we believe solely in our abilities that we put God out of the equation. Say, but the Lord weighs the spirits. The spirit here is not talking about the being. It's not talking about spiritual beings, demons or angels. It's talking about motives, the reasons for doing the things we do. The spirit, what is motivating us to do what we do. Alright? So, verse 3 is the emphasis. It says, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Listen to me, child of God. Listen. Say, commit your works to the Lord. First thing you see there is that <laughs> don't just say because the Lord is in this statement, you will not work. You have to work. Hmm? Commit your work. So you have to work. Commit your work to the Lord. But listen, listen, listen. It says, and your thoughts, your thoughts, your thinking will be established. That means there is an imperative in this statement that you are supposed to be thinking. Hello? <laughs> your thoughts will be established. How come many things are not established because we are not thinking? Hmm? Because we don't have thoughts and there's nothing therefore to establish. And we get frustrated and we begin to look at the Lord and say, Lord God, I've been praying, I've been going to the camp, I've been fasting, but nothing is happening. Hey, he said, your thoughts will be established. Then commit your works unto the hands of the Lord. One, you are not thinking. So there are no thoughts to establish. Two, you are not doing any work to commit into the hands of the Lord. God is not a magician, he's a miracle worker. He has principles he's not going to violate because of you. Your ignorance is not going to force him to violate that principle. Your negligence is not going to force him to violate his principles. We're going to read a lot of scriptures today. So please, I want you ahead. Because in teaching this very sensitive topic, we must be abundantly clear on what the Bible says on this subject. I'm trying to lay a foundation. You see, there are two words in this topic. It says, thinking ahead. I want to address the subject of thinking first. We will come to ahead. And when we combine them, thinking ahead means planning. That is, doing something towards the future. But the subject of thinking, I need to pound it so hard that it becomes something we consciously try to do. Because it is an important aspect of life. Thinking. Unfortunately, many people don't think. And those who even think at all, they don't think ahead. They think behind. Thinking behind is called worry. <laughs> People only worry. They think about the mistakes they make. I say, I'm thinking. What are you doing? I'm just thinking. I've been thinking since last week. Thinking about what? I've been thinking about my failures. I've been thinking about my lack. I've been thinking about my issues. I've been thinking about my challenges. You are not thinking, my brother. You are just worrying about things you cannot change. Because you cannot change the past. But you can change the future if you think ahead. Do you understand me? Proverbs chapter 23 I'm going to read verse 7. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 7. The Bible says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. You see, this we usually quote this scripture out of context. So I'll try to explain the context so that we get it. So this was about a stingy man that somebody came to visit. And he's offering the person drink, you know. He said, my friend, take now and drink. But as the person is drinking, in his mind, he's saying, Ah, oh boy, this guy in a gluten, man. Say, as just they whack my food. Just they drink everything. Say, as they spray everything. You know, in his heart, he really does not want to entertain the friend. So the Bible is saying, the real man is actually comp uh, composed of how the man is thinking. Because the man has a stingy thought in his mind. So the Bible says he's a stingy man. That is, it doesn't matter what is apparent on the surface. It doesn't matter that he has actually brought food and drink to his neighbor or his friend who has come visiting him. In his heart, he really is a stingy person. So what, what does that really say to you? That means a man is indeed a sum total of the thoughts in his mind. Not the things he tries to show the world. Not the things he tells the world. Not how he dresses. We are a sum total of the things we think about. And that's why it's critical to mind the things we think about. We've thought extensively on the things we think about. But I'm saying this to say, our thoughts do count. So, and whether you like it or not, those thoughts shape who you are and who you become. We're going somewhere. Follow me. We're going to go step by step. Why is it important as a child of God 
to think. To think. Let's even drop thinking ahead. Why is it important? Number one reason it's important for us to think and think ahead is because God does it. Hello? God thinks and God thinks ahead. God has thoughts. Hello? We'll go through the Bible. Go with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8. It's a very popular scripture. Isaiah 55 verse 8. We are going to teach through a lot of scriptures today. The Bible says in verse 8, it said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. What does that mean? That means God has thoughts. <laughs> God has thoughts. God said, let us make man in our image, in our image and in our likeness. So if God thinks, that means he created us to think. He expects us to think. Thinking is part of the nature of God. Thinking. So it should be part of the nature of man to think. And many of us don't. Wait a minute. We will use a lot of scriptures to establish this abundantly. We know the very popular scripture in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. They are the thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. That means God is thinking about us. It is scriptural to think. You cannot be more godly than God. So if thinking is godly and God is doing it, you should do it. In our church, Foundation of Truth Assembly, our vision is very simple. Raising a godly people. Part of the behaviors of a godly people is that a godly people are a thinking people. Quote me. A godly people are a thinking people because God is a thinker. God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. The thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. So God is thinking about your future. God is thinking ahead of you. So you should be doing the same. You should be thinking ahead. Hmm? You don't agree yet. I'll show you another scripture. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Psalm chapter 40. Psalm 17 says, But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. Hmm. I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. Another point to, to say that the Lord thinks about us. The book of Amos, Amos, the book of Amos chapter 3 verse 7. Amos chapter 3 verse 7. What does that book say? Uh, the book of Amos 3, 7 says, Surely, hmm, I love this scripture. Very beautiful. It says, Surely, the Lord does nothing until he reveals his secrets or his thoughts to his servants, the prophets. He said, The Lord does nothing until he reveals his secrets. Some versions will tell you, until he reveals his thoughts. That is what he's planning to do. He reveals it to his to his servants, the prophets. That even God, before God does something, God will think about it and say, before I do it, as part of my planning protocol, I need to inform the stakeholders, my prophets, servants, my prophets, who will warn the people that, hey, this is what God is planning to do. Communication is part of planning process. So we say, God does nothing at all. Unless he first thinks about it, makes it ready, informs his servants, the prophets, as part of his planning process, his thinking process. So, God is a God who thinks. That's number one reason why you should think. What is the second reason you should think? God himself, through scriptures, invites people to think. In the book of Isaiah, let's go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 18. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, chapter 1. God was speaking to a rebellious nation. And he said, guys, I know that you have been doing stuff that I don't approve of. 
and I have a plan to redeem you. Through you, I want to bring about salvation to the world. So I need you to align with me. But at the moment, we, are, we seem not to be working. I'm going to give you an offer. And the offer is this. Let's have a dialogue. See what the Bible says. The Bible says, verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. God is inviting human beings. He said, human beings, come. Let us reason together. So how come we think when we become Christians, we are expected to remove our brain and throw it away? That is no longer necessary. That we are not supposed to think. God says, I, God, your God, I want to reason with you. Come. Come and think with me. I want to reason with you. That was God speaking. Turn further. Go to Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah 41, I'm going to read verse 21. Isaiah 41 verse 21 says, God speaking, Present your case, says the Lord. Bring forth your strong reasons, says the king of Jacob. Let them bring forth all and show us what will happen. Let them show the former things that they were. That is, God is saying, if you are this smart, you know a lot about what is going to happen, about what has happened. I need you to come forward with your logic. God is not against logic. God is just saying, I am superior to logic. Because there are things that are limiting you because you are in the frame of reference called logic. Human wisdom, human philosophy, current level of science, which is a lot limiting. So because of that limitation, we... We cannot match God's level of intelligence. But say, even though you are limited, come, let us reason. Bring your strong reasons. And I will give you superior reason. I've got a superior argument. So, God is saying, I invite you to come and reason with me. Because reasoning is not against my principle. Using your brain is not against my principle. As a matter of fact, I encourage reasoning. God says he encourages reasoning. Hallelujah. Okay, so we, we go on. I really don't have a, a lot of time. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, I've taught very extensively on, on this um, particular verse where God was saying that um, the, the way we think, we should use a filter. If there's anything that is praiseworthy, if it is right, if it is excellent, if it is pure, if it is lovely, if it is admirable or of good report, if it is noble and true. The Bible says, think on all these things. Think on these things. You see, there's a way we read that scripture, that pre-plant filter, that we think it's an advice. At the end, look at it very well. After mentioning the criteria, the things that should guide our thought, he said, Think on these things. Thinking in that verse can actually be an instruction. Because we know that human beings are lazy. We do not like to think. So God is saying, since you do not like to think, or you don't even know what to think of, you rather think of things that are useless, things like worrying, things like anxiety. I'll give you a template of what to think about. The need to think is clear. I've given you by example. I've shown you that by example. But what to think about? Here is a list that I'm giving you. So God is offering that. To say thinking is something that you need to do. And I'm asking you, think on these things. I move on quickly because of my time. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 12 verse 7, you will see that men who walked with God, this was the prophet here, men who walked with God, they understood the place of Using reasoning, even in congregational worship. You know, challenging the people to say, guys, let's come together. Let's reason about the dealings of God. Let's reflect. Let's, let's think about them. Let's ruminate. Let's reason through. Let's recount from memory the dealings of God. So that it can be a basis for us to even teach the next generation. You see, a, I'm very, very worried about this generation and how the attitude we have towards the subject of thinking. I, I, I worry a lot because if we are not careful, we will not have people called apologetics. People who are strong enough, mentally speaking, gifted of God, 
to be able to look through the Bible and stand against those who are coming with the knowledge of the world to try to make us look stupid just because we believe the Bible, just because we practice the Bible. So, there is more than enough ingredients in the Bible to make you wise. Hmm? In scripture, it says, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. That word of God is able to make you wise. The word of God is able to make you wise. But wisdom does not come only by reading. You've got to meditate. You've got to think about. You've got to ruminate on the word of God. You see, even the apostle Paul, apostle Paul, um, Acts chapter 18, verse 19. Let's turn there. Before you say, oh, uh, maybe that ended in the old era. Acts chapter 18, verse 19. You will see that the Apostle Paul was a man who understood the place of reasoning. Apostle Paul was anointed. In fact, in a place, Apostle Paul was challenging the church. He said, see, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Hello? (laughs) So, my speaking in tongues does not mean that I should not be able to reason. It should not diminish my intellectual capacity. Because I speak in tongues does not mean that I should not speak in English in a way that can reach a people whose language to reach is reasoning and logic. The Bible says in verse 19 of the book of Acts chapter 18, I said, And he came to Ephesus and left them there. But he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. He reasoned with the Jews. Paul has such intellectual sagacity yet superior anointing of tongues of diverse revelations this was a man that got caught into the third heavens heard unspeakable things did wonderful many wonderful miracles his apron his mantle was healing the sick paul was preaching one night somebody fell off from the window the person fell down paul went there and said oh boy get up you're not gonna die on me wake up he woke the guy up and continued to preach paul was anointed yet he was a man of intellectual capacity don't tell me because i'm a christian i should drop my intellectuality intellectuality and christianity are not opposites. God has given us ability to use every arsenal at the disposal of his children for the furtherance of the gospel. There are people you can never reach at your intellectual level. Not that it's your intellectual grace that reaches them. It's the Holy Spirit that converts. But your intellectuality, your ability to think, gives you opportunity for audience. It's if you get to be invited that your words can carry any power or can reach people. Some people are cut off already because of how they are perceived. They see them as Christians who cannot use their brain. Christians who cannot use their brain, I tell you, they are actually a risk to Christianity. Because they are the ones that believe anything. They are the ones that the fake prophets will come and meet and tell them, do blah, blah, blah. How come you are not asking, where is it written in the Bible? Where is the chapter and verse? What is the context? This practice you are forcing me to do, is it in scriptures? And if it's in scriptures, is it the way it is in scriptures? Because we have told people to not think. Just because they can be subservient to us and keep following us, we raise a generation of believers that do not know their God. The Bible says, those who do know their God, they shall be strong and they shall do exploits. So it's important for us to follow in the steps of the apostles. Apostle Paul was not an ordinary believer. He was both spiritually alert and intellectually superior to many people in his generation. Little wonder, he wrote extensively part of what we call the New Testament books today. That is a pointer to how God can use every ability he has given his children. And this is one of the skills for exploit, especially in this age of information. If you did not know, we have entered the age of information. Good information, bad information, nonsense information, fake information. So if you do not have ability to think things through, you will believe any garbage just because somebody posts it on the internet or just because somebody is holding a microphone and wearing a collar and is speaking very good English, speaking nonsense, speaking things that are inspired by the doctrines of demons because you are not capable of reasoning from the scriptures. Be like the Berean believers that will say, after we have listened, I'm telling you, these things I'm telling you, even me that I'm telling you, when you get back after this message, play this message back, read every scripture I'm quoting, ask 
the Holy Spirit to teach you. Are these things so? God, do you want us to think? Hear what they will tell you. We are in a generation that is at risk. And we have a duty to prevent ourselves from falling from the, the kind of um, the level that we are supposed to be in the light of the children of the world who are so smart in this age. Do you understand? The children of this world are so smart in this age. I want to show you something in scriptures. Okay. Go to Facebook. You, you see people, you know that they are not Christians. But they have read the Bible. Even though some of them have read it the wrong way. Their objective is to confuse you. So they come, they quote one scripture to destabilize you. You say, okay, blah, 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 blah. But because you are not able to read the Bible by yourself, you are not able to think through the Bible for yourself, you are not able to understand the spirit and the letter of what is written, you get easily swayed by every wind of doctrine. See what somebody... And what I've observed, what I've observed personally, is that people who are not Christians seem to display higher intellectual muzzle than many of us who call ourselves Christians. And this is worrisome. This is worrisome because the way we are going, if care is not taken, many people will be swept off their feet on the basis of arguments coming from the other side. I want to read Matthew 22 verse 17. Matthew 22 verse 17. Something happened there. See, a group of people were trying to tempt Jesus. Trying to tempt Jesus. So they brought him a denarius. I'm reading from verse 19. So they brought him a denarius. Matthew chapter 22. They brought him a denarius. And he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Then render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. See, why do you think they do? They did what they did? Go to verse 18, you will see the reason. said, but Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. The objective of those who were asking Jesus that question was a wicked objective. They wanted Jesus to say something that will incriminate him. So, Jesus had to outsmart them. He had to outwit them. Because if he had answered in a straightforward manner, in which they were trying to trap him, he would have been in trouble. We live in a very cunning world that will try to trick us. They will try to use contemporary issues to destabilize us. Because... Paying of tax to Rome was a contemporary issue for Jesus at that time. They were under the Roman rule. So they say, hey, you, you not a teacher. And you are not afraid of anybody. You always say the truth. You are a man of truth. You are ten foundation of truth assembly. Okay, wait. So are we supposed to pay tax to Caesar or not? So today, the question may not be about tax to us. It may be about something else. It may be about... Tithe and offering. Are we supposed to pay tithe and offering in the New Testament? Are we supposed to, to join NSAS protest? Are we supposed to, to, to celebrate Christmas? Are we supposed to, you know, contemporary issues? Are we supposed to join politics? Should Christians contest to become a governor? You know, contemporary issues. If you cannot think through scriptures, understanding not just the letter of scripture but the spirit of scripture you will give an answer that they will hold against you and use to your disadvantage permanently that's why it's important that we train ourselves train our minds to be able to think properly thinking is scriptural you see there's there's a scripture i love reading and for many years i've read that scripture the wrong way or I've read it in partial understanding. Even today, that I believe that the Holy Spirit has given me additional light. You know, Revelation is progressive. Nobody can know all of scriptures or know everything about all of scriptures. So we know in part, we prophesy in part. Hmm? But God gave me an understanding of 
something in Ephesians 3.20. You know, we read that scripture very well. Let me read it so you, you get it. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. I've quoted and preached this, this same verse severally. Until one day God opened my, my eyes to it and said, Young man, do you actually see what you are reading here? And I said, yes sir, I see it. He said, no, there's something else you are not seeing. Listen, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. The Bible says, Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly, hmm, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. I never used to see that or think. So as a Christian, and I know many of many of us Christians were on this table, in our mind we say, and unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly far above what he can ask or think. We just say they think. We don't think about the think. So all we do when we quote this scripture is to begin to ask. Begin to ask. God, therefore I ask. You that can do more than what I ask. I ask that you do this. I ask that you do it. God that say, pause, pause, pause. Yes, I can do more than you ask. But I can also do more than you think. That day, I said, wow. That means God is expecting me as a Christian not only to ask in prayer, of course. We ask when we pray. But to also think. Because the things I think about, God can hear them. You get it. The things I think about, God can hear them. Not just the things I pray about. So if I sit down and I meditate on the word of God and I begin to think, do you know what thinking really is? Thinking is like imagination. What is imagination? Creating images. Images. Imagination. Creating images. So as I'm speaking now, I believe I'm reaching millions of nations. I believe I'm raising godly teenagers, godly young people, godly couple, godly entrepreneurs. That's what I'm imagining. Even if I'm speaking to a computer or I'm speaking in a room alone, I'm speaking to one person or I'm speaking to a hundred person. What am I thinking? Am I thinking that we are raising a generation of righteous believers who will not only be tongue-talking, but when they enter a boardroom, they bring superior intelligence that I'm raising people like Daniel, who even when he is not on duty, is supposed to be retired, and a hand came, and a hand began to write on the wall, and say, mene, mene, tekel, ufasen. and there was nobody in the kingdom, that could neither read, nor interpret the writings on the wall, that there will be somebody, who will say, I was in the in the government when this man was serving as a vice president and i know that there is a man in your kingdom in whom the spirit of the gods is his name is daniel go fetch him for us and when he comes he will give you the interpretation and when the man daniel came and they offered him they said we're going to give you a lot of money he said king i'm not a poor man the lord has blessed me i don't need your gift Keep your gift. However, I will tell you the meaning of what has been written. And it has been written concerning you that we have weighed you. You have weighed nothing. We have tried you. You are weightless. And the Lord has taken the kingdom away from you. And today, your kingdom will be taken from you. And his words did not fall to the ground. That we are raising such people. That is what I'm imagining. What are you imagining? So God is saying, God can do exceedingly abundantly, far above what you can ask. But not just what you can ask, what you can think. You see, go to the book of Genesis chapter 11. Some people were thinking of building a castle that will reach heaven. They were just thinking about it. God was already worried. Why? Because what you think is powerful. And God understood that. The people might not understand it. So God said, hey, before these things that they are thinking to do, before they get it done, let me stop it. Because if they continue to think like this, they will do it. What are you thinking of, child of God? What are you thinking of? This is what I've come to challenge you about today. I'm saying you don't only have to think, but you need to think ahead. 
Think ahead because that's what your father will have you do. Think ahead. Your father is a thinker. God is a thinker. You've got to be a thinker and you've got to think ahead. This is the mandate that each believer has. This is what you must pursue. This is your duty as a Christian. This is how we can preserve the gospel. But unfortunately, we have raised many lazy Christians, many lazy human beings. Not just Christians, many lazy human beings, especially in this continent called Africa. Why? We raise them in church. In church, we train them not to think. Just hear what the pastor says. My pastor said is what is raining. People don't know what the Bible said, but they know what their pastor said. Why? Because they are intellectually lazy to go and find out what the Bible said by themselves. Listen to me. Let me let me take us somewhere. Um, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 16. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 16. Even though God has endowed everybody with an ability, because we are his image, to think. Many of us have refused to think. We are just too lazy or too proud to think. Expecting things to just happen by themselves. That's not how life works. Proverbs 28, verse 16. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says, just a minute, 26 verse 16, I beg your pardon. Proverbs 26 verse 16. Alright. The Bible says, The lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. It wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than several men who answer sensibly. That is, people are just so lazy, they don't want to apply their senses. Just assume, I don't have to do anything. Everything will be fine. I don't have to think it through. Somebody else will do all the thinking for me. That happens at the church level. Do you know where it pains me the most? Is at the school level, educational level. Why do you think our schools are unable to compete with the schools abroad. Have you ever checked the rating and the ranking of universities around the world? The first university in Africa, do you know the position it always takes? <laughs> At the back, very, very back. The first one in Nigeria, do you know the position it always takes? Maybe more than 1,000. Maybe the more than 1,000th position. That's where you see the first school in Nigeria in global university ranking. Do you know why? Abroad, they raise children to think. They teach students to think. The way the curriculum is designed, it forces the students to think. And that is why most of the discoveries, inventions, solutions to global issues, most, I didn't say all, most, come from abroad. Or come from people who live abroad. And some of those people are our own people too. Who have managed to break out of this mode of intellectual laziness. Because they train their people. When they go for their exams. Their exams are not testing your ability to memorize things. It's ability to apply what you have learned. What do we do? From pre-primary. What do we do? I watch it. It pains me because I went through the same system. It pains me. You go to a primary school. What are the kids doing? A for apple. Say after me. A for apple. B for ball. B for ball. We train them to just memorize. So you go to exam or from pre-primary school to university. All you are doing is cramming what your lecturer said or cramming what is in the book. And you know that even the lecturer is intellectually lazy. They are going to repeat past questions. You know. <laughs> so you don't bother. You just make sure you have, you have memorized all the answers in all the past questions. You go there and write it. And that's where you see many young people. They finish school. Good grade. Bring them to a job. They don't know jack. They cannot do anything with all the knowledge that they claim to have on that certificate. And indeed, they passed. They didn't cheat. They passed. Because that was what the school system in Nigeria offered them. Ability to memorize and reproduce what you have memorized. Not ability to think and solve a problem. So we have raised a generation. And don't blame the politicians. 
Don't blame the counselors. Don't blame people around you. We were all raised in that dysfunctional educational system that did not encourage intellectual reasoning or ability to think things through, to create things from scratch, to conceptualize things and build it from scratch. Thank God for many young people, young men and women who are being uh, anointed with the Holy Ghost to become different. And it's, it's of late when we began to see a new wave, a new move of the Spirit beginning to bring these new expressions and ministers are rising, gospel ministers are rising and they are beginning to make international mark. Why? Because the hand of God is on them. They are now writing original songs. They are receiving original sound from heaven. Such that our sounds and music are becoming globally acceptable. They are commanding results all around the world. Because we are beginning to shift. The Holy Ghost is beginning to shift us. And this is what I want to do by reason of this message. I want to provoke you to shift you mentally. You have God-given ability to think. Think! Thinking does not mean that you are excluding the Holy Ghost. And I'm coming there. I'm going to balance the message because I'm going to preach to you the full gospel. Not one side. I'm not here to build only your spirit man. I'm here to build your soul and build your body in line with the scriptures. Not in line with science. Not in line with psychology of, uh, or medicine or history or archaeology. But by the word of God. That you a man and a woman of God in the making, young boy, young girl, youth in Christ, can develop as a complete human being. First Thessalonians 5.23, that your, your entire, your whole human being may be presented perfect unto Christ in your spirit, in your soul, in your body. That's our job. That's the apostolic mandate we have to raise godly people who will be rounded, who can stand and defend the gospel wherever they go to. That they, like Daniel, they cannot find any fault in you. The Bible said they tried to look for a reason to find a fault with Daniel. They could not find. In terms of his ability to do his job, he could do his job. Things that nobody could do, he did. The king had a dream. The king chose to forget the dream. Wickedly. Chose to forget the dream. And was demanding interpretation from people on a dream he never told them about. And they said they are going to kill everybody. And somebody told Daniel, say, ah, they are going to kill you, Daniel. They are going to kill everybody. Say, ah, they don't have to kill everybody. God has given, that's why God sends people like us here. Can I have an appointment with the king? Can I go and beg the king to give us, just give us a little time? This matter you are talking about that is making you have sleepless nights is a simple matter. We will solve it. We will solve it. He was not counting only on intellectual grace. He knew that was there. But beyond intellectual grace, he knows there's something called supernatural intelligence. Supernatural intelligence. And he knew something called collaboration. We will teach us about this skill later in the course of this month by the grace of God. He went home to gather his friends and say, guys, come. There's a problem that there's nobody in the empire that can solve. But I promise the king, I've gone to boast that we can solve it. And we're going to solve it. The Bible said they were praying. And they were praying, and they were praying in the vision of the night. God, our God is awesome. Can you put your hands together for Jesus? We serve an awesome God, a God who is superior to the kings of the earth, a God who is able to do more than any man can ask or think. The king was asking for something that was impossible. He was asking for something that was unthinkable. He did not know that there's a God in heaven, the God that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego served, who can do exceedingly, abundantly more than what any king can ask or think. Bible says God revealed not only the dream, but the interpretation of the dream to Daniel. And in the morning, Daniel said, guys, we've got the answer. We've got the answer. God has said these days, okay, so let's make an appointment with the king. And he got to the king. And the king was like, okay, have you got He said, no, it's not about us. And that's what God wants us to do. God wants to empower his children so much that when we shine, we give back the glory to him. That's the essence of our shining. It is nothing secular. It is nothing canon. It is not to arrogate the glory to ourselves. Not unto us, but unto your name. He said, it's not about me, Daniel, or my friends. But there is a God in heaven who rules in the affairs of men. Who has revealed this mystery to us. And he told him accurately what he saw. The man, the man said, ah, truly, <laughs> there is a God in heaven. The God of Daniel. Everybody, you must serve him. He wrote a letter. He made a decree. 
That's what God wants to do. He wants to use his children to showcase his powers and abilities. Of course, by reason of what Daniel did and what his friends did, they gave them promotion. The Bible said they made Daniel the first of the three vice presidents. He was the first among equals. Because the Spirit of God has such abilities to give to us that when we stand in a room and we bring an argument, after he's finished speaking, nobody could speak. Job said it when he was lamenting. He said, you see, when I was in my prime days, after I finished speaking, he said, others will keep quiet. Because when I finished speaking, there's nothing to add, nothing to subtract. You just say, I support the last speaker. This is what I'm trying to raise. This is the generation of young people I've been commissioned to raise. I hope you are part of them. Listen and listen good and the Lord will, will, will take us there in the name of Jesus. My time is running out. I intend to walk through a few points just to balance this up. To say, yes, God wants us to think and yes, he wants us to think ahead. But as we think ahead, let's keep these things in mind. It is your duty as man to create a plan. I didn't say to create a purpose. God created a purpose before creating you. But in fulfilling the purpose of God, you need to create a plan to actualize the purpose. It's your duty. Hmm? God will give you the purpose. He will forge your purpose. But it is your duty as man to create a plan towards fulfilling that purpose. And that's what we read in the, um, in the opening text. Uh, let's go to verse 9 of the, of the same Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. I'm going to read verse 9. Just just one minute, please. Proverbs 16, verse 9. Verse 9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Listen to what the wise King Solomon in the Old Testament, the Bible recorded this man as the wisest man. The only one who is wiser than him was Jesus Christ that beat him. Because when Jesus was speaking, he said, one who is wiser than Solomon is here. Huh? So the Bible says in book of Proverbs chapter 16 verse 9, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his step. So it is your duty to plan. To plan in accordance to the purpose of God for your life, which you ought to have discovered not develop you need to discover it not invent it we have talked about that before um psalm chapter 20 verse 4 psalm 20 verse 4 a lovely prayer a prayer that i prayed a lot as a younger person i prayed this prayer a lot see uh, it's in verse 4 the bible says may he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose so that means you need to have also created a desire. A desire there is like a plan. Objectives. Hmm? Your ask desire. So objectives. In planning, there is something we call objectives. You break down your plans into actionable steps called objectives. To say, I will do this and this to accomplish that. Number two points I like to make is that your plan must be based on the will of God. Hmm? Planning is not just for the sake of planning. Thinking ahead. Is planning, right? So when you do your thinking ahead, make sure your thinking ahead is in alignment with the will of God. Let his will be your will. Otherwise, your plan is a waste of time. Why? Because God's word is settled in heaven forever. So his purpose will override your own. His purpose has the ability to override your own. Go to the book of Proverbs chapter 20, verse 18. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 18 i'm going to read um verse 18 verse 18 says what plans are established by counsel by wise counsel wage war plans are established by counsel by wise counsel make war i'll read the second verse before making the statement i'll make chapter 19 verse 21 1921 says what there are many plans in a man's arts Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. Hear what God said. There are many plans in a man's heart. So it is biblical that you have your own plans. But there is no guarantee that, that your plan will work. Why? Because the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. The counsel of the Lord there means the purpose of the Lord. 
That is what God really wants to happen. He will make happen. But you need to go ahead and make your own plan. Right? Because God sees the big picture. You don't. So you make your plans on the picture you see. Your own big picture is a small picture compared to the big picture that God sees, which covers the entire world. Past, present, and future. Do you understand? So your plans and your intentions must align and be submitted to the will of God. If it is different from the will of God, you have to submit it willingly to the will of God. Number three points I like to make is that to make plans that really work, you need to work with those whose plans have worked. I'll say that again. Hmm? To make plans that really work, to think ahead and implement plans that really work, align yourself with people whose plans have worked. Bible says that he who works to the wise becomes wiser. Abi, a company of fools will be destroyed. They will perish. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 18. See what the Bible says. I think we've read that before. Let me go to 1522. 1522. 1522 says, Without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Say, so without counsel, plans can scatter. Yes, you want to plan. But all the plan you have done, you did no stakeholder management. No matrix of saying, who will this plan affect? Who will, who will be affected by this plan? Uh, what resources do I need? Uh, who are the enablers of this plan? Who are the people that can block this plan? So you didn't do consultations. You did not seek advice. Hmm? Bible says if you have a plan and you refuse to seek advice, you didn't share it with people, godly people who are wiser than you, more experienced, more graced, or who have succeeded in that thing you are trying to do. He said if you fail to meet many of such people, that is in a multitude of counselors, not in a multitude of counsel, in a multitude of counselors, Say, if you do not consult widely, say your plan is likely to scatter. Hmm? Don't let your plans scatter. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. And that's why we, we, we want people, um, for older people who are listening to me today, people when they want to get married, we tell them, come and do intending couples class. So that those who have married and their marriage is standing, they can guide you. And tell you these are the areas not to go. These are the areas to go. For those of us who are listening, who are younger, who are in school, you are in commercial class, you are in science class, you are in art class. There's something called career counseling. They call it career guidance and counseling. So I understand in some schools now there, there's actually such resources, human resources provided in schools to help guide those children to say not everybody has to be a doctor, not everybody has to be an accountant. So we guide you and say, mm-mm. Focus on this other area. We look at your strength. It, it appears that you will excel better in this area. But only you, you want to create your plan. You don't want to tell anybody. You want to fulfill your plan. He said, be careful. That plan can scatter. So find godly mentors, counselors, godly counselors to offer you broader perspectives in life. Because they have seen a lot more than you have seen. I think it was Sir Isaac Newton that said something. He said, if I have been able to see beyond my peers. It is because I have sat on the shoulder of giants. That is deep. Sir Isaac Newton was young when he made um, a lot of inroads he made in uh, physics. The first law of Newton, the second law, the third law, and the many other things that he propounded in, in physics. He said, if I have been able to see beyond my peers, it is because I have sat on the shoulder of giants. So I have an advantage where I'm leveraging on the wisdom, godly counsel of people who have gone ahead of me and done something. Are you in a position where you want to take a decision and you've done your plan? Can you look for a godly counselor, a pastor, 
a more mature Christian, somebody you know will not block your dream. Can your Mary look for an Elizabeth and pair up with an Elizabeth and say, Madam, I know that you are going in the direction I'm going. Please, can you show me the way so that I will not miss the road? As a young girl, you, you have heard and, and you, you have been inspired by people saying it is actually possible to keep your virginity and get married in your 30s as a virgin because you have seen others do it. You would like to do it, but you don't know. Can you go and look for such people and say, please, auntie, please, mommy, can you show me what you did? What were the things that kept you? Young man, you want to get married and all you are thinking about is that don't worry, I will just go and save money. I will rent a house. Then next thing, I will toast the girl. I will find a place. We will marry and go. And you have no clue. No preparation whatsoever in knowing what it means to be a husband. Forgetting that being a husband is not the same thing as being a man. It's not because you have beer, you have goatee, or you have teddy that makes you qualified to marry. It's because of the trainings you have got, counsels you have got, that make sure your home will not be a disaster. So the Bible is saying, do your plan. But when you do your plan, look for godly counselors who will guide you in molding those dreams into a reality that is useful that can be established and move on planning is good i've said this again and again and i will drum it planning is good thinking ahead is good but it's not good enough why because if god is not involved in your plan your plan will scatter quote me quote me and you know sometimes we also miss we make a mistake between plan and planning Plan is a product. Plan is a document. Plan is what you have thought of doing and you have written down somewhere. Planning is a present continuous tense depicting a continual action to bring to life the plan you have on your paper. Hello? So many of us know how to plan, but we don't know how to be planning. <laughs> because planning involves continuous activities in converting the plan you have on the table into a reality that is visible hmm? so for any plan to work you must work that's what the bible says i don't have enough time to read all of that uh turn your uh, you uh, make a note of it proverbs chapter 14 verse 23 proverbs chapter 21 verse 5 ecclesiastes 9 verse 10 say whatever your hand finds to do do with all diligence why because planning requires work plan requires thinking but planning requires work huh do you understand me I'm going to make one last point and we round off. Planning or thinking ahead, the most important ingredient there is your ability to visualize the big picture and make daily progress towards actualizing it. The most important thing about thinking ahead is your ability to visualize. You must see it in the eyes of your mind. That future that you have in mind i don't want to sound like your motivational speakers you know they say the the future you cannot picture you cannot feature in it even though it is rhetoric it is correct i'm not a motivational speaker but there is some truth in that axiom to say that your thinking ahead is incomplete until you are able to visualize and create actionable steps to convert what you have seen in the picture of your head into a reality that is tangible. To do that, four things you need to do. Number one, you need to define your strategic objective. What do you want to do? Luke chapter 14 verse 28, Jesus was asking, say, is there any man that will want to build a house that will not fall? Sit down and count the costs if he's able. So your objective is to build a house. But you must now begin to look at the details. Look at the details. So the details now means that you must develop actionable steps actionable steps in fulfilling that thing which you are thinking ahead about of course i've mentioned this earlier you must diligently pursue it daily what did i call it daily i didn't say once in a year and you see this is where we make mistake people say in my new year resolution so january 1st they make a decision and the next time they are thinking about that resolution is the following year january 1st that's why it, nothing has changed Huh? What happened between January 1st this year and January 1st next year is what determines whether you will move forward. It's not just about visualizing. There are the things you do daily. I can predict where your future will go by what I see you doing daily. That's what makes a difference when you are thinking ahead. Thinking ahead is incomplete without working daily. Hmm? 
the last and not the least point is to trust in the Lord. I've said it again. Plan all you want. It's the Lord that establishes it. Proverbs chapter 3 from verse 5. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, that is in all the planning you do, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. In all that we have said today, I hope you have been challenged. I hope you have made a resolution that you will not be mentally lazy. I hope you have made a resolution that you will not live recklessly. You will redeem the time because the days are evil. You will maximize your life by not walking blindly. You will walk circumspectly. You will think ahead. And that you will align your thoughts with the mandate and purposes of God for your life. And that you will not trust in your own abilities. You will walk with Him day by day, step by step, Him ordering you. But you will labor. You will do your part. Because it is irresponsibility on your part to abandon to God what He has given you as a responsibility. It's your duty to make plans. It is God's responsibility to establish them. I pray that the Lord will bless every era. I pray that this message will go out and change nations. I pray that the face of Africa, the face of Nigeria, the face of the world, the global youth population will be transformed, changed, made sharper, more effective by reason of this word today. In the name of Jesus. May the Lord bless you. Join us same time next week. The Lord has prepared another more interesting message he has for you. This message is for you specifically. Invite your friends. Don't come alone. Bring everybody that you care about. And together we'll win in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. To get copies of messages, kindly visit our ministry material store. And also worship with us at Foundation of Truth Assembly Headquarters on 40 Stroke 42 Imam Dauda Street off Eric Mosso Lagos. God bless you.